everyone. It's April, and Tony and I are here again this week in this lovely month of December, moving into our holidays, um, to bring you some Veronica and also to give you all a little update on our pet situation. Well, today I have a little bit of a story. I'm going to try to condense it down as much as I can. About four years ago, in my neighborhood, now you have to remember, I live up in the mountains. It's Lots of feral cats, lots of, you know, wildlife, there's mountain lions, there's bears, there's bobcats, and there's all kinds of stuff that is bad for if you're a feral cat. And about four years ago, a orange male feral cat showed up to get some food. Because um, I know there's like this neon blinking sign that says free food at April's house. And he showed up, and he, t- and he kept coming back and eating. And I'm looking at him going, you know, I know he's not fit. It's not safe for a bright orange cat to be here in the middle of the night because there's no place he can really hide because he's like a neon light. So I trapped him, and I took him in to be sick, and I decided I was not going to release him back out into the fold, but I was going to try to rehabilitate him. Now, this is four years ago. I took him upstairs. Because in there I have like a little room off to the side of my bathroom that he could live in, you know, to get him acclimated. Now, I did not know how difficult that was going to be. When I put him up there, he looked at me like I was the devil. You know, just hissed at me and don't touch me. I really upset Pat. So what I did was I just started putting food down for him. I made him a nice bed. And he was in a heated area, so he was nice and warm. He never would let me come into his space, ever. I tried every week. I didn't do it every day because I didn't want to irritate him. But I tried every week, and I just, he was like beyond reproach. And he would look at me with his face like, leave me alone, I hate you, kind of thing. But I thought to myself, if I release him, he's going to die because he's a neon light in the darkness up here in the forest. I also called around because there's a barn cat association where you can take feral cats and they'll become barn cats for people. But, of course, those are overflowing, nothing available. So I kept him. Two years go by, and he will not come down. He eats his food, and he seems to be happy, he seems to be happy in his little environment. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to leave him there. So about a couple months ago, I had another cat go up there, and he came down the stairway, and he came into a little part of my living room where he hid behind the sofa, and with a cat that won't let you touch him, hisses at you when you come by and threatens to slit your throat if you, you know, come too close, I had to sort of just leave him there. Now, I have six cats downstairs, the six kittens that I told you all about before. It looked like they were starting to do therapy sessions with him. He has finally come out and started eating with them. He has finally come out and doesn't really give me the finger when he comes out. (laughs) But but now he comes out with like, okay, I'm putting up with you. We've made progress. He is now down in the TV room. He's found a comfortable place to be. And he's no trouble. Um, he doesn't fight with the other cats. He just wants his food. He wants his thing. But now he's got all of this other activity going on. So I'm not so sad about him being up there by himself. Now he's got some friends. Every day I try to get a little closer to him. 
But I think I'm going to have to accept the fact that he's just done with the human race. <laughs> he's done with them. And he's let him be. He's now walking around the, you know, the, the, the lower level of the house. He's interacting with the other six cats. So I've decided I'm going to keep him and just let him be. He's not doing anything bad. He knows how to use the litter. He eats his food and he doesn't fight with anybody. Even when they fight amongst themselves, he just sits there and watches. He will not get involved in their, you know, sibling rivalry. So his name is Blondie. Um, he's a bright orange, beautiful male cat. And it's been a journey with him, but I just couldn't just release him back out there because I knew within a day or two that he would be taken and eaten. That's just how it is here. If you're a darker colored cat in the environment, you can hide a little bit better, but this cat certainly cannot survive and hide anywhere because he's like a neon light. But it's been a four-year journey, and I finally feel satisfied with the quality of his life. And it wasn't for lack of trying. It's just that he was, I think he's a little bit mentally challenged, and he might have had some bad experiences along the way. But he's eating well, he's drinking, and I saw him the other day. He was sitting with Stripes, who is my main squeeze with the cat. Stripes and Oscar are my two main squeezes out of the six kittens. And they're hanging out with him. He's sitting with him, they're talking to him, um, and they eat together. He's now showing up in the morning when I first put food out. He comes flying over and jumps up on the table with everybody else. So sometimes when you're trying to rescue somebody, they don't want to be rescued. But if you have patience and you just keep working at it, four years is a long time for a lot of you. It's like, I wouldn't have done that. And I had a lot of friends that were going, April, just let the cat out. And I just couldn't do it. I said, because it's a death sentence, no matter what. And he's not hurting anybody. But now he's integrated. He has his cat family. He'll let me get about four feet from him before he starts to hiss and, you know, call me names. And, but I'm okay with that. I've got a lot of cats here. So I'll just pet and touch the ones that will let me. And if he doesn't want to be touched, if he doesn't want me close, I'm cool with that. Because I know he's safe. I know that he's warm. And I know that he's getting food. And I know that he's not going to be ripped apart by some predator outside. So I just wanted to share my little feral experience. Um, sometimes it doesn't go as well as planned, especially if you get one with some mental illness. And I do think this one has a little mental illness. But his name is Blondie, and he is a gorgeous boy. And he eats well now, and he's got a nice warm bed of his own, and he's got friends. I couldn't ask for more. I mean, I don't need, I don't need for him to demonstrate his love to me. Cause I know he does, he just doesn't know how. I know he loves me, but he just doesn't know how to do it. So, he's in the house, he's safe, he's warm, he's eating, and I'm just gonna let him live out his days. I don't know how old he is. He looks like he's in good shape. Um, he's not a big cat, but he's fluffy as can be, and just a poofball walking around the house. So, he brings me joy in that manner, but, I have to accept the fact that he doesn't like me much. And that's okay. Because his safety is more important than my ego being stroked by petting this beautiful fluffy cat. So anyway, Tony, uh, now that I've shared my feral moment with everybody, yeah. how is everybody over there? Well, 
we're fine. I was thinking while you were telling the story. You know, if he sees you picking up the other cats and loving them and then putting them down, because cats watch. And I bet you he'll start coming closer. You know, he's going to see your farmland. Yeah, you know, he's going to see you with the other cats. It's going to make a difference. I'm hoping so. But, it, again, yeah. it took him two years to come downstairs. <laughs> it's going to be probably a bit of a wait. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, with all the other cats and you're feeding them, and I know you, you're picking them up and you're loving them and hugging them. He's going to want some of that. I think so. Not so far. But, I you know, I, couldn't, I had to stay 10 feet away from him for two years. And now I'm... Right. I'm away. So I'm hoping that at some point I get to touch his head. I'll be happy if I get to pet his head once. Well, I I don't know how old he is. I don't know what he's got left. Well, you got him as a kitten, really. He looked pretty grown up. He he wasn't little. Yeah. Pumpkin is the one that showed up and just decided to do what she was going to say, and she's been a love bug ever since. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, anyways, how are your puppies over there? How are your puppies doing? We're, we're all good. I'm in the car. I had to help somebody, and I'm sitting in the car, and it's, oh, 30 degrees. I got the heater on, <laughs> so I'm good. 30 I'm good. Okay. Oh, stop it. <laughs> well, I'm going to go off and get Veronica. And please say hello to our audience today. I sure will. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. And, um, you know, we've got questions here. They're very interesting, and I encourage you to write in to innerwhispersradio.com, and that's I-N-N-E-R whispersradio.com. Are you there, Veronica? Hmm, yes we are. Good day to you. Good day to you. Our first question is coming from Doug. When we are first cast from source, do we leap straight into the physical as a human, or do we explore existence as other energies first? The majority of first cast soul usually takes a moment or two to assess what's available and to try to um, have the most information possible when going into some sort of incarnate moment. Now, there are a easier environments, easier dimensional spaces that are available that the incarnate could choose. But a lot of the incarnate do choose physical, earthbound reality. And when they first incarnate as human in that, it's usually a learning moment. It might take five or six, maybe even more incarnations to get enough momentum to be able to maneuver through the six-sense reality. You've got to learn how to live in it. You've got to learn how to move through the body. You've got to learn what to eat, what not to eat. I mean, there's all kinds of variables involved in this. 
There's a lot of energy that does jump into being human right away, but it is more like a training ground, not a full-blown, um, intricate, linear, dramatic life. It's learning how to live in the environment. It's like learning, you know, it's like the 1500s. They, they, they spent most of the time just surviving. And a lot of energies will come in and do that for the first couple of lives just to get acclimated to old density. Some of them don't want to do that. And they go try other dimensional spaces that might be a little easier, but maybe not as effective to participate in their evolution. Sometimes they even start out as animals in the physical linear reality just to get the feel and sensation of it. It's, again, a very personal choice. And some energies want to do it the way they want to do it. So there's no standardization across here. It's all very intricate and personal. So if someone comes in and they decide they want to be human, they will have to go through a bit of training being human. But if they decide they want to go to other spaces first, they can do that too. And that might build up a bit of momentum in their energy that will allow them to navigate the sense reality a little better. So the answer to your question is multiple. Like most of the answers we give are multiple because... Everything is very unique unto each energy, even though it's such a broad and you go, well, Veronica, there are two billion people. When you're not linear, the number size doesn't make any difference. It's all energy, and you decide from an energetic point of view what you're going to do. So, we hope that answers your question, Doug. If you have more that you'd like to ask, please write in. All right. Our next question is coming from Cap. Is there a physical reason, like the food we eat, that there are so many people on antidepressant meds today? Well, maybe for a few individuals it might be related to food, but what the difficulty that incontinence are having at this time is the unresponsive, not warm and fuzzy energy that greets them when they get here. And they incarnate into the linear life, and as they move through the, through the dramatic, most who are coming in now that are here trying to maneuver through all of it find it to be tedious. There's a lot of negative energy in the atmosphere on the planet Earth. The incarnates who came in to participate feel that on a deep level. And it may not be like right in front of their faces linearly. It might be deep-seated into their own energy and soul that it's uncomfortable, that it feels like it can't be navigated, that it feels like there's gaslighting, there's all kinds of bad things happening, and that's depressing. An empathic or even just a regular energy that comes in to try to fulfill their evolution in a planet that's having a little difficult time at the moment. So... It's not so much the food, it might be a little bit, but it's more about the energy environment, the atmosphere that you're all breathing in every day and the negativity that builds up as you're breathing that in. So, it's not for a physical reason, but it is an energetic reason. All right, our next question is coming from Heather. Found what you said about Bigfoot very interesting. 
My question is, does Bigfoot mostly exist in a parallel universe? Or is the times that they are seen here actually a bleed-through? We say that, yes, there are parallel universes where Bigfoot does exist. Um, and the times that you do see them, for a few of them, yeah, it is a bleed-through. But there are those who have chosen to walk through that bleed-through instead. And they feel a little out of sorts with the current atmosphere. So they stay hidden, mostly. Uh, but there are some that are bleed-through. But we say that's 50-50. It's not completely one thing or completely another. And that's because of the vastness of all the souls and all the energies and all the bleed-throughs and all the parallel lives that exist. It's mind-boggling for a linear being to have to take that in and process it, all of these moments that are available. But we do say that Bigfoot sometimes is a believer, but there are some who have decided to stick it out and participate in this fixed-sense reality, but a lot of times they're not really interested in intersecting with humans. Humans aren't the most popular species in the universe. All right, our next question is coming from Nancy. How many universes are there? How far can you count? That would be the question we would ask that. There are a multitude, and we'll say it again, a multitude of universes and solar systems and stars and planets and suns that exist in the universe. Some people, it should be called probably the multiverse because there's so many of them. We can't give you an exact numerical answer, but we can say it's probably more than you can count. The vastness and the energy of it is beyond linear comprehension most of the time. So we will say, if you really want a number, you say several thousand, maybe a hundred thousand, or maybe a million. We're not, we're not sitting here counting. We're not linear. But since you asked the linear question, that's the answer. More than you can probably count. Well, Veronica, that was our last question. And if you'd like to take a break and come back and give the message to the world, that would be great. All right. Okay. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to the show today. And I encourage you to write in to innerwhispersradio.com. Don't be shy. Um, you know, and I always say, if there was a question asked today and you want to know more information, write it, and we'll try to get your question on the air. Are you there, Veronica? Yes, we are. So here we are, another day, on the planet Earth. What are you going to make of it? Are you going to sit back and allow it to unfold on its own? Or are you going to give it some attention and help it make its decision? Be part of the process. A lot of times you can stumble through a linear life not really paying attention to much and focusing on all the linear dramatics and everything. Sometimes those lives aren't as productive as one would like. You come into this reality to evolve. So you come into this said one, and the current reality you're in is a bit murky, 
at the moment, it's really important for you to come in with a positive attitude and really important that you know the worth you have as a soul coming into a physical body. Decide that you're going to make your choices and live that life as elevated as you possibly can. Attempt to stay away from the dramatic. Attempt to use some dramatic to evolve yourself. But when it gets to a point where it's not evolving you, that is when you have to separate from it. Decide that this life is going to be the life where you take hold of who you are as a soul and blend it with that dense physical in your body to have the best experience possible. Stay close to your guide. Stay close to your soul. You can't fix the world. The world has to fix itself. But you can also focus on your own experience and bring clarity, harmony, and beauty into everything you do. Now, some of you have said to us, oh, well, Veronica, that's so hard. There's so much murkiness. There's all this stuff going on. Back up from it. Most likely, you didn't create this mass consciousness of negativity. By separating from it, you allow yourself to make choices that are more positive. Decide you're not going to engage in negativity. Decide that it's not proper for you. And that every time you encounter the negativity that is being generated in a mass consciousness kind of way right now, that you're not going to take the bait. You're going to remain very focused on your own internal compass. It's always going to face north. It's going to be something that is productive. Being on the planet should be productive. And if it's not, then you need to make changes. You need to adjust things so that you are participating in things that are going to allow you to evolve and grow. That's the whole point. So today, decide you're going to embrace your soul. You're going to look at the things around you and you're going to observe them and you're going to probably have an opinion about them. But you're not going to let them take you down. You're going to back up enough that you can watch it spin out of control and do whatever it's going to do, but not be in its path. That you do have control over. So we say take the opportunity to not engage every blow-up that comes through your linear life. You step back from it and say, okay, we'll have a good time with that. hope you figure it out. And keep your consciousness wrapped up in the beauty of your own soul and the fact that, yeah, there's things going on that I don't like, but when I'm sitting with myself, I feel safe from it. And that's what you have to create. The safe sitting of yourself in the environment that's bad and just be you with all of the energy that you can possibly muster. It is the best way to get through mercy time. So take the advice today and work it through with your own personal moment. There will be light at the end of the tunnel. There will be harmony. There will be peace. There will be prosperity and and inclusion and love all the way around the planet. It's going to come, and it's going to be wonderful. So in the meantime, spend time with your soul until the linear earth catches up a bit. 
That is the best advice we can give you today. Well, thank you, Veronica. Wonderful message. And I want to thank everyone for listening to the show today. And we'll be back with you next week with more questions. Until then, bye-bye. 